Welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare Oddcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, author of Moline and the eco-folk horror novel Charwood, which should be out by the time you're listening to this and you should probably buy it, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we'll be speaking with Roland Bercy Jr., Roland Bercy Jr. is the author of Unbortion, which is the recipient of the 2020 American Fiction Awards and finalist in the 2019 International Fiction Awards. Payback is a Witch and Pre-Thanksgiving Stress Disorder into several short stories in various collections, too numerous to name. Welcome to my (laughs) nightmare, Roland. Hey, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I'm very happy that you're here because on Josh's Worst Nightmare, I invite on horror authors to talk about an aspect of biological horror, which I define as living creatures and vital processes relevant in some way to their writing. This episode, we're talking about carnivorous plants. That's fun. So let me just get into a couple factoids that I looked up and we'll just get that out of the way and then we'll just do what writers do which is just make up a bunch of shit so obviously we all know of uh well the venus fly trap right that's the obvious one everyone knows about that closes the mouth there's pitcher plants where the bugs fall in so that's just sort of sitting there passively and they fall in and they can't crawl out there's sundew stuff so it's like sticky stuff and the bugs just stick to it and they can't get out And then there's even some stuff that does weird suctions. But yeah, there's 630 species, which I would not have guessed. But so whatever, all that out of the way. Why do you have an interest in this topic? Um, You know, I first, I love nature in general. Um, It annoys me to high heaven when I see people cutting down trees and building apartment complexes and all these beautiful things in nature are being destroyed. So uh, that's one thing. And then with the carnivorous plants, that's just a whole nother spectrum of like this adaptable plant that is capable of catching or collecting its own food. Like that's unheard of. That's freaking amazing. It's wild. It is. It's a weird thing in nature because of course, most plants they exist on what sunlight and water yeah. and minerals and stuff like this. These plants are like, no, we're going to eat creatures. <laughs> we're going to eat other creatures. Yeah. We want to be, we want to be a mammal. We want to be, it's almost like <laughs> want to be something that they're not. Uh, I don't know, but I do love it too. And that's sort of scary. Imagine if they were like, what if they were like 10 times the size they are now? What the hell? I wouldn't want to go out to no forest. And I like being out in nature, but I'm not about to get eaten by a fucking Venus flytrap. Exactly. Well, if they were larger and if they could move around, that would pretty much, I think that would be end game for humanity, right? Like you could take us out if they would, because whatever, you shoot a plant and they're like, whatever, I'm going to keep coming. So I'll just throw spores all over and make a hundred more of me where I die. (laughs) Can you imagine? Yeah. Well, and that's also the other thing. It's almost like nature getting back now obviously there are things like little shop of horrors that is all about that plant thing and then it does eat people it drinks blood so i think there's inherently something about like you said all the trees and all the nature that humans destroy this is kind of maybe that's all this is maybe this is nature evolving 
like, yeah, I we the end game is not to eat flies, it's to eat us. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? I like that. I like that thought. I, I, I like it, but I'm scary also. I'd be I don't okay know if you've ever that. seen. <laughs> you ever seen um, a movie called Day of the Triffids? I did, and I actually read the book too, which is yes. John Windham is the guy's Windham. name. It's a great yeah. book. Yeah, and it's so old. Like it was uh, first written in 1951, okay. which I think that's freaking amazing. Like for that concept to be, I mean, of course, there's probably concepts like that a long time before then, but for that. It's just a great concept at that time and age, you know? And then they made a movie out of it, which the movie came out in 1963 or something like that. Okay. And I I was a big horror... Well, I am a big horror fan. Of course we are. Um, So I remember sitting down watching it with my mom and my dad. I'm 53 now. So I was born in 1970. So, of course, it was pretty old when I watched it. But still, I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Yeah, I... I guess I won't give any spoilers, but I know that they changed. They changed a major aspect. I'm not recalling right now, but I know there was a main thing that the cause of the of the yeah. plants, I think, or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember. But I did, yeah, they did remake the movie too, and oh. so the cause of the uh, in it in the original one was a meteorite okay so i think these things are from outer space almost like um uh little shop of horrors so it was a meteorite that passed over and i don't know how it made a lot of people go blind but then i know these plants started um coming and attacking all these people it was really good that was the premise right that yeah the meteor or whatever it made everyone go blind so it was kind of like in a a post-apocalyptic world in which almost everyone was blind i think a few people weren't and yeah. then there were just these triffids everywhere, these plants that ate the humans. And yeah, That's cool awesome. stuff. I didn't know there was a, like I knew the picture plants and I know the one with the sticky tendrils and the Venus flytrap, but I never knew one with suction. Um, That's interesting. What, I don't know. Do you know anything about that one? Yeah, I was looking it up. I mean, I didn't know this off the top of my head, but something called the bladder wart. And apparently it's got some sort of process where it's got like a suction thing mm. and it it sort of entices them and it sort of sucks them in. So there's all these different mechanisms for just taking bugs out. And I think actually they'll eat frogs sometimes yeah. and toads, small ones, maybe even, I don't think birds, probably not. No, no, they do. And really? we look into, because I did, um, I have a story. And I did a lot of research on the carnivorous plants. One of the pitcher plants is gets kind of big. So it actually gets birds and small mammals. Wow. I thought it was pretty cool, like rats and stuff like that. And with those plants, I know that they fall into the juices. And the water at the bottom has like digestive enzymes in it. And so as it breaks down the the animal, um, the plant absorbs the nutrients from the animal, which I thought was cool. Yeah. So in theory, a small child could fall in there, right? Good. I mean, <laughs> it could happen. I think that's so. That's a subject for a book. It, Another it book, could, should I it say? Could be. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book. So in my book, um, Candace Nola had uh, put a collection together called The Baker's Dozen. Mm-hmm. And um, so all the stories had to do with baking. Um, and I was like, what do I want to write? What do I want to write? And because I love plants so much, I was like, I'm going to write a story about a 
plant that gets back. Okay, so pretty much there's two bakers in town. One has a little bitty mom and pop baker. The other one is an upcoming bakery. And so the up and coming bakery is trying to put the one out of, the other one out of business. Uh, so the lady who runs the smaller bakery is also like she has a green thumb. And so uh, there's um, a seed that she finds and she doesn't know what kind of seed. And there's a legend of a plant called a yetevo. And so uh, it's in Brazil and it's actually a carnivorous plant that has tentacles and um, it can snatch people up. So when I looked up that legend, I was like, ooh, that'd be a fun story to write. But then I was like, but how you people could just easily get away from it if it was just mobile and stationary and just had tentacles. So I was like, how can I make it where this plant can move? So uh, there's also a, a thing called grafting where they cut the top half of a plant off and stick it on the bottom half of a plant and the two plants grow together. Uh, so in Brazil, there's also a tree called a walking palm, and it's supposedly able to relocate uh, by growing, uh, lifting its roots. Uh, say if it wanted to go towards uh, a sunny area, it would grow roots in the direction of the sunny area and let these roots on the other side die, permitting uh, movement over to the sunlit area. And that's a rumor, of course. That's so, uh, possible. Yeah, it's, that's very yeah, cool. Yeah, why not? Um, the, the 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 plant itself is real, the walking palm, and then the yetevo, of course, that's just legend. So I was like, what if I can merge these two plants together, thereby giving the plant the option of being able to move? So that's what she did in the story. Uh, she merged these two plants together, and then all of a sudden you got this plant. Um, I won't tell you too much about it. You should read the story. It's called Homegrown Comeuppance. Um, at first, the plant was stationary, but then some things happened, and um, yeah, the end of the story, well, I don't want to give it away. You have to read it. <laughs> don't tell us that, but that sounds awesome. Yeah. That's such a clever idea of dealing with, yeah, the age-old problem of, all right, that's a plant just sitting there, like, yeah. little shop of horrors, just don't walk near it, you're fine. But yeah, yeah so that's, that's super clever, because I actually just recently wrote a story I haven't submitted anywhere yet that is sort of about a plant-like creature in a swamp and it has a, it decoys people. So it, it tricks humans to come to it, Ooh. but it does stay in one place, I think, because I couldn't figure out another way to deal with it. So you've, you've mm -hmm. figured out a great, that's a great workaround. Really cool. Yeah, it was fun. And when I was doing a lot of the research for the book, I, I just learned so much more about different carnivorous plants. That's when I figured, uh, I learned that some of the picture plants can get that large. And so in my story also, um, with pitcher plants, they have the liquid in the, 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 the cup. But in my story, there's also liquid in the trunk of the tree, oh, yeah. which is digestive liquid. And I'll actually show you a little picture here. I don't know if you can see that pretty good. But so that's uh -huh. all the tentacles around it. And this is the baker from the, um, the, up, the bigger bakery. And so it, she fooled her and told her that she had this um, uh, unknown fruit from this plant. And so the other baker was like, oh, I want to get that fruit. So she went over to this plant and she saw it hanging and she was like, oh, I'm going to get it. So when she walks into it, that's when all the tentacles start moving around. That's pretty fun. That's cool. So it's a short story in a collection, but it's also, you have a standalone book or 
Yeah. So after the, you know, you they with collections, they usually have the story for about a year. Right. So um I got the story back and then I kind of wanted to do something fun and unique. Um and there's a uh it's a a way to print books is called Tate Vish. And so it's actually two stories in one book. I'll kind of show you here. Uh so you read the one story to the end. And then you flip it over and then you read the second story. So they're kind of printed upside down and back to back, which I thought was cool and interesting because I've never seen that concept done before in extreme horror, which is mostly what I I think I when I was a kid, I think some kids books do that. But it's such a clever idea. That's that's brilliant. If I was looking at different books, that one would definitely stand out. How fun. Yeah. Yeah, now formatting was uh hell. <laughs> yeah, that was probably why um, people haven't done it much. Yeah, probably. Like you can't do it through Amazon and you can't do it through Barnes and Noble. So okay. I had a local printer. Um, she printed it for me and it got kind of expensive, but I still wanted to do it. <laughs> that's that's a cool idea. I applaud creativity cool. in the publishing process as well as the writing. So right on. Good for oh, you. Oh, thank you so much. That's really cool. Yeah, when we're talking about plants and trees eating people. So Ilana Gomel, she's a really excellent author. She writes, it's in the horror realm. Some of it's sort of dark fantasy. It skirts the different angles there. But she wrote this story. And I don't know if she's submitted it yet. It was in our critique group. So I won't say too much about it. But it was basically about people being sort of absorbed by trees and it was supposed to be dark and horrible. And I told her, I'm like, this, I, that's the way I'd like to go. <laughs> it's, right. It's not so Give bad. <laughs> Give it back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's another, you've seen the happening, of course. Sure. Have you seen it? Yeah, that was yeah. a good movie. Yeah. I think I like that's it. another, uh, like, uh, example of like plants getting their revenge, but yeah, using there's... a completely unexpected source. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah there's fun. there's a lot of those actually out there. I think they were more popular maybe in the 70s or something just called plants, which was in some ways ridiculous because they were just vines and they hadn't come up with any clever ideas like you had to move the plants around. So it was pretty much just stupid people dying because they were being <laughs> stupid, but it was still satisfying in a way. <laughs> but I think only also of just the concept of for some people's green burial, what they do is they'll plant trees over people and uh-huh. the trees will grow in them. Obviously, the person's already okay. dead, but that's a tree yeah. eating a person. That's kind of carnivorous plant. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, uh, I don't know where I saw it. I think it was on Facebook where they said that you could get yourself buried that way. Like, do me. Like, put me in this, make me a little seed and let the tree eat me. Like, that's awesome. It would be cool, like, especially uh, if it was a fruit tree or a nut tree. And then it's basically yeah. like, you nuts <laughs> hey i like that That's that awesome. could be you could put in your will i demand that my friends or descendants harvest these nuts and make a a, a peanut butter out of it or whatever <laughs> I could, could have lots of fun with that which nuts these nuts no I'm just like <laughs> exactly these nuts. I'm sorry exactly no that's <laughs> that works it works and there's also stuff plants that aren't quite carnivorous but they're almost a step away. They're mm-hmm. poison plants. So poison ivy and oak, uh, it's almost like it's trying to kill us. It's not mm-hmm. as protecting. So it's not like it's carnivorous, but 
there are these things called the sensitive plant. Have you ever heard mm. of those? Mm. So I saw them down when I was a kid. Once I went down to, I think it was an island called St. Lucia. Oh, yeah. I guess that's in the Caribbean or somewhere near mm. there. And there are these plants that they they kind of look like Venus flytraps, except they're not. And they're sort of just like little fingers and they you touch them and they fucking close like this. Oh, see, yeah, they used to have those in Louisiana. Oh, really? Uh, like even if you just brush it, they close up. Oh, no shit. So they're yeah, actually yeah. in the States. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. They're like, I think it's a type of fern. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, sense. it might be a type of fern. It kind of looks like it is. To me, that blew my mind with when I was a kid. I was like, how is this plant moving after I touch it? Now, it doesn't yeah. do that to eat anything. I think it just does mm -hmm. it to protect itself. Protect itself. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. Like, um, there was a, there, this all over Louisiana. You just like literally brush your hand over it and a kind of plant just kind of closes up like that. But I wonder, those they could evolve to eventually start eating things. Yes. Did you know recently they said, I thought this is so interesting. That plants, and I use this in my book because I was like, how can I let this plant know that this person is near them? And they say plants can see um, using like electrical signals. Huh. Um, so uh, they can sense, because we're all surrounded by like electrical signals at all times. So they can actually see in that way. I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. I'm going to use that. That's cool. Yeah, so in my plant, in my book, like the plant had uh, these smaller vines, and when she was in the middle of all the bigger vines going around, well, when she got in the middle of the vines, these little ones came up and they kind of focused on her, and that's how the plant could tell she was there. That's cool. So yeah, you really use the science in your mm -hmm. biological horror story. That's I try to yeah. pay attention to the science in the beginning. Sometimes I'll. I'll take it in other directions. There's some stories yeah. where I do stick exactly a hundred percent to the yeah. science, and sometimes it's just completely supernatural or whatever. Yeah, it's cool that you. But did that's the that's the good thing about us. We could take that and where it's based on some actual facts, and then morph it and change it to suit the story. Because we write fantasy, we write horror, um, things that possibly could be real one of these days if we keep fucking up the planet and cutting down all the plants. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, better watch it. Yeah, I would be on the side of the trees. That's why in Tolkien, <laughs> you know, J.R.R. Tolkien's the the ants. So they're the oh, yeah. trees that just fuck people up. I think they're yeah. the best. Um, I had a good idea for another story about plants evolving. I'll tell you because uh, maybe I'll write it, maybe I won't. But I was like, wouldn't it be fucking cool if like so if a person is cutting down a pine tree with an axe? And a fucking pine cone fell out and exploded, <laughs> like like almost like a grenade, almost. And yeah. like impaling them with bark and shards. Self defense. Cool. I like yeah. that. That could work. That could work really or, well. Or if um like roses grew, uh the thorns that they had had poison in them, so that when people picked the 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 the, the rose and the poison got stuck by a thorn. It would die or something like that. Yeah. But I was like, there's a, so much stuff that you could do with that topic. Yeah. Uh, using the imagination. And then also, like you said, the science behind it too. Right. Starting with that little kernel of, okay, this is what exists in nature and then uh -huh. taking it where you want. But there are some trees called sugar pines out in, out in the West. And the ones I know of are in California. They may grow elsewhere. And their cones mm -hmm. are this big. So oh, 
they just got a drop on your head. They can knock you out. That's freaking crazy. I never seen a pine cone that big. Yeah, they're awesome. they're they're like literally, uh, yeah, they can be almost a a foot. Yeah, they yeah. Can be. And so that's several pounds. So if they drop from really high, yeah, they can yeah. theoretically kill you. <laughs> that's one way of doing it. But one yeah. other plant. So I was in Ireland years and years ago. I'm talking about literally the three places I've ever been on this podcast. People think I've traveled around the world. I, I really, <laughs> I barely, I haven't left the States in 20 years, but uh, except for maybe Canada, but something when i was in ireland so do you know what nettles stinging nettles are? oh yeah those things that get stuck all yeah they yeah. suck and they have these really bad ones in ireland so i've i've gotten hit by some stinging nettles in the u.s and they're kind of annoying but these yeah. ones in ireland they were so bad i me and my friend we called them the triffids because they were ah. just like pain like you're just like two grown men going, ah ah just you know for like little spines that they stick in you almost like cactus but just teeny tiny oh, yeah imagine how horrible it is like and they're so fine i can imagine you can't really get them out by picking them out because it's just that would just make it even worse for you probably right it's just in there and it eventually oh. will come out but then i think <laughs> there is some sort of mild toxin that does uh -huh. get into the skin to, that causes the rash but yeah i remember these yeah. big red welts all over me just Ooh. from touching those things that sounds painful. Yeah, but good protection, man. You get those around your house, no one's going to bother you. Yeah, no one can come in. But it's true that I think plants, just like animals evolve, plants have to evolve to protect themselves. Right. And with the way we cut down plants and just destroy nature, you've got to imagine that in time, they will evolve mechanisms to make us not be able to harvest them or cut them down or destroy them as easily that's a really interesting idea because i just my book called charwood which is an eco horror it's about cutting down forests and impacts mm -hmm. from that because that's a lot of the work that i've actually done i've worked on protecting forests oh, oh. and in this oh, yeah it's something that i i think is important and and all that but i don't get into the trees evolving or whatever, but that's a cool idea. They could evolve in a sense to do something with the chainsaw, you know, or like they can oh, yeah. thicker bark or they can like hold on to the chainsaw with or a something. Sap. Imagine right? like if you were cutting into it and it has sap and the sap was almost like fucking glue. Yep. That would be cool. Uh, so in some sap, this is me, my nerdy self. I watch um Naked and Afraid all the time. Uh sure. there's one guy that was on there and he was trying to cut down this one tree and sap fell into his eye and he had to be medically evacuated because <laughs> the sap was so um it can make him blind no kidding yeah yeah i forget what they call the tree but yeah it's not negative afraid because that's I'm cool <laughs> so yeah. it's almost like that's how evolution works there's some mm -hmm. some mechanism that's already there and then the ones that kind of uh there's some adaptation, some positive adaptation, adaptation from that. Uh, Eventually, that becomes the dominant version of yeah. that. So that could, over time, uh, if humans become more and more of a threat to forests, which I guess we, we already we are, yeah, yeah. It, it will get worse. 
So I wonder mm. if the trees that survive are just, that's such a cool idea that you came up yeah. with. I won't, I won't steal your idea because it, that's your idea. That's, but, yeah. but I love that idea. I'm sure if you did yours, you'd put your own spin on it anyway. It's all good. Maybe, maybe. But, <laughs> but that's, that's. So what's great... your story called? The one that's coming out? It's called Charwood. And yeah, it's about, it's about basically a cult in the woods and they cut mm. down trees and they pretend they're doing it for the environment somehow. Yeah. And it's really uh, much darker than that. They're, they're trying to release things that are in the trees and uh, but they say it's good what they're doing. So I got a lot of wrinkles in it and there's kind of a hapless protagonist. Mm. She just wants to do something good for the world. So she gets involved with them and finds out there's a lot of not cool stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I don't, we're probably cutting time, but there's a, so there's, I'm from New Orleans originally, and there's a lot of oak trees in New Orleans. So back in the 1800s, they used to do duels out there, like 1847 or something like that. And there was these two huge oak trees, and it's um, now they're called the dueling oaks, because at one time they used to have so many duels under the branches of these two trees. Um, so it's kind of a, uh, it's not a legend, but it's like a true thing in New Orleans. And then one of the trees was uprooted in a hurricane in 1940. Um, so I'm actually doing a story, which I just started like kind of getting the bones of the story. And it's going to be called Legend of the Dueling Oaks. Um, but I, I can't tell you what it is because uh, it's kind of new and it's in my head. But I also love fantasy. So I'm trying to combine fantasy with horror. So uh, to look out for that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there was a, a guy that quoted, let me see if I can get the quote right, but he said, I wouldn't be surprised if the very blooms of the soil would bloom red because of how much blood that has been shed here. Wow. So I was like, ah, oh, there's so much stuff that I can do there with the amount of deaths that happened, the amount of blood that went into the, the soil. I was like, oh, I can really kind of twerk this story to make something fun and interesting. And I love writing about New Orleans because well, I'm from New Orleans. So I'm going to do that. I've already kind of started it. So we'll see what happens. That sounds That's really fun. cool. Yeah, there should yeah. be more stuff about that part of the country in horror fiction. It seems yeah. so well suited for it because of the atmosphere and the ambiance and, yeah. and things like that. And so you're basically taking some historical stuff, a little bit of mm -hmm. urban legend and yeah. twisting it into your own story. That sounds great. I did Payback as a Witch, and that, that actually, that story is centered um, in the bayou in Louisiana. Nice. Uh, so I thought that was a lot of fun because I love witches, and I was like, ooh, a bayou, a witch, there's, they go together. So, Oh, yeah. That sounds yeah. really cool. Well, this has been excellent. been a really fun yeah. topic. Uh, maybe tell us, I guess you just kind of did tell us something you're working on, but if there's anything else you're working on, and then where people can find your work. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I'm working on that, but my latest story, which I just, uh, is out now, um, it just got released on August 1st. Uh, it's called Dr. Parasite. Parasites are so fucking gross. So I was like, ooh, I want to write something about parasites. And I work in GI, so I know a lot about kind of parasites. Huh. So yeah, check that out, Dr. Parasite. It's on Amazon. Um, the cover is... <laughs> you'll, you'll check it out when you get off look at it but the cover oh, I've, is no i've seen the cover i know yeah no, i'm <laughs> real bad i was like family i'm so sorry uh, all my family i apologize 
We don't write for them. Yeah, I sure don't. God dang it. But the funny thing is, they're so supportive. Like, they were saying, like, people were saying, oh, I love the cover, I love the cover. And my cousin Jeremy, he um, said, oh, great work, Roland. Congratulations. And I was like, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I apologize. The cover is a mess. And he was like, the cover is perfect. So um, so that's my latest one. It's called Dr. Parasite. And then uh, you can find my other stuff. I have a website, uh, RolandBercyJr.com. And then uh, all of my other books are on Amazon as well. Awesome. All right, Roland. Well, thanks so much for coming into my nightmare. Oh, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. I know we chatted quite a bit in the past, and I'm finally great to meet you and talk to you face to face. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, along with my latest dark scribblings at joshesworstnightmare.com. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of Charwood, my eco-folk horror novel from Agata Triad, or Moline, my cosmic horror novella from D&T Publishing, you can do so at your local bookstore or order from them through bookshop.org or indiebound.org or go to Amazon, barnesandnoble.com or godless.com. Darkest regards, Josh Schlossberg.